Powerful hearings give the people a voice against banker privilege. ACP to contest Gold Coast by-election. US banking crisis far from over. And protest, AUKUS and press for a breakthrough in Assange case. Coming up on today's Citizens Report. Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 19th of May 2023. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party leader and founder Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, we've got a number of things. We're going to discuss uh, the reports from the ground uh, of the hearings of the Regional Bank Inquiry at Cloncurry and Ingham. And we're also going to be crossing live to our State Secretary for Queensland, on the Gold Coast, on location organising out there today, who has just announced her candidacy for the upcoming Gold Coast by-election in the seat of Fadden. Fadden, yeah. Uh, and then we'll tell you also how you can make your voice heard in protesting the AUKUS sub-deals. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you've hit the like button, subscribed, and uh, ring the notification bell to get further notifications of new content, which is coming all the time. Share this as widely as you can. Comment below. It all helps to get the word out. And there's a button below which you can use to donate to help our campaigns. Many thanks to those who already donated. They're coming in, which mm. is excellent. You know, right now, Robbie Barwick is up in the far north of Queensland attending these hearings. Mm, and that's right. we're going to give more of a sense of that in the show. But that's not a, not a cheap exercise. And we would appreciate as many donations as possible to keep funding that sort of our, our work in that way. That outreach. So we'll give you a sense of the accomplishments so far, which is great. Powerful hearings give the people a voice against banker privilege. Um, So, yeah, talking about uh, banker privilege, Craig, um, basically we've seen with the Reserve Bank review process that um, these independent central bankers are demanding powers for themselves that exceed the powers of governments and want to be exempt from any kind of government oversight. That's what they're demanding in this review. We saw the same thing with the Defence Strategic Review, where the Defence Department wants to subjugate all other aspects of government to the process of defending Australia's national security for a war threat, an imagined war threat that is not even real against our greatest trading partner. So this insanity uh, has to be fought and what these hearings that are being held by this regional banking inquiry represent, it it shows the method of getting the people engaged in politics which pushes the politicians to have the courage to take on the banks and these other agencies that are trying to dictate our future. It works. And listen, the interesting thing is back in the 1930s and the 1940s and the Depression years, you had a bunch of politicians that were trying to push the Commonwealth Bank that had been taken over mm. by private bankers in about 1924, trying to make it act in the interests of the people, like issue credit in a depression, which is, was, it, was to inflate, uh, is to, was to create a more uh, economic activity. There was a number of politicians, Ted Theodore, you know, John Curtin, Frank Anstey, a number of these people were pushing the Commonwealth Bank to act. Mm. But the act... As we reported, the Commonwealth Bank has basically said, under Sir Robert Gibson, 
He wasn't bloody well going to do anything. And mm. I, that's his words, not mine, mm. right? Today, we've got Senators Canavan, we've got you know Senators Malcolm Roberts, we've got the Green Senator Nick McKim, and all of these senators are now doing exactly the same as mm. what Ted Theodore and these guys did in the 1930s. Yes. The political geometry has changed where now the politicians are getting the spine to be able to take on this banking establishment. It's only just started. Yes. And that's the key here. People have well, to understand it's only just started. The reflections from um, Robbie being there at the um, latest hearings in Queensland in Cloncurry and Ingham, the reflections from discussions with people in the committee and the entire process is that this has been one of the most successful inquiries ever because of the results it's achieved uh, and that is headlined with the fact, as we've talked about in previous shows, that Westpac, after the grilling it got at the first hearing of this inquiry in sale in Victoria, was forced into retreat. They actually sent a letter to the committee who'd demanded they appear at Cloncurry and said, well, we've got nothing to add to what we said before, so we're not going to come to that. <laughs> and basically the committee said, well, yes, you are. <laughs> and the bank then replied to them and said, oh, oh but, but we're not going to close those eight branches we were going to close. So they actually retreat. We forced them into retreat by this process. Uh, and so those banks indeed, well, Westpac wasn't at the Cloncurry no. hearing, but we'll come to that in a moment because it did get quite fiery with ANZ on the stand. Um, but that level of success in such an early phase of a campaign of real runs on the board and the level of engagement as well, where the, they're still putting up more submissions to this inquiry, there's um, probably going to be well over 600, I think, um, but they've had taken submissions from the South Australian government, from the Tasmanian Premier and from, you know, many other important institutions. And it's kind of an unprecedented level. Um, so, yeah, that and the intention of the committee, you know, they've really um, got the hackles up for the banks here. They yeah. are intending to go to every state because, as you'll see with some uh, video footage we'll show shortly, um, Matt Canavan, his attitude was, well, we've forced Westpac to keep their branches open in places like Cloncurry. Well, if only we could have hearings in every city or every regional centre where they're closing branches, that you would have an impact. Um, so let's talk about Cloncurry first and then we'll go to Ingham. Now, um, at Cloncurry, there weren't any banks on the stand, so it was kind of a different atmosphere, apart from Heritage Bank, which I'll mention in a moment. But all the witnesses who were community witnesses, so local councils and other local business people and so forth, um, it, they all proved and demonstrated that it made absolutely no business sense for Westpac to close its Cloncurry branch. It's a thriving town. I mean, um, there was a b big cattle producer there and the cattle producers alone have a billion dollars worth of money at any one time in Westpac Bank. So, mm -hmm. you know, why on earth would Westpac be closing that branch? Um, connect connectivity issues were raised, as is always the case in these regional areas. And there was a this cattle baron who said, you know, that one time they had to do the payrolls on, you know, the laptop in the helicopter hovering over the tower, the reception tower, to get good enough reception to put it through. I mean, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah, one of the other stories, Lisa, which I really found fascinating was 
the issue of backpackers. Because, mm, yes. you know, Australia, rural sector, is heavily reliant on backpackers coming in and quite seasonally. But they, what, what was reported was backpackers won't come to places where there's no bank. Yep. They look it up. They look it up. And they won't go. No bank. We're not because they need access to to a bank. You know, yeah. they're from the banks have access to foreign exchange, like transferring money overseas, doing all sorts of things, or even bringing money from overseas. And if there's no bank, yeah, they don't and want to go there. The regional labour shortages. This is a big issue. Um, now, Heritage Bank, I wanted to mention, was there. This is a New South Wales Queensland bank, uh, and. It was interesting that they were asked, well, how come you're still in the town? You're a small bank. You haven't shut down. Um, what's the difference? Why do these big banks claim they can't? It's not profitable for them to stay there and you can stay there. And they said, oh, well, we have to attract customers, right? So they have to keep a branch there to attract customers because they rely on the local custom. So they have to keep the customers happy. Well, shouldn't Ooh. the big banks be doing that too? I mean, that's what banks are for. Um, now, one thing that was really obvious throughout the whole proceedings and, and also in Ingham was that um, the banks have avoided actually carrying out consultations. This was a big thing that came up at the sale hearing. They never consult with the local communities before shutting down. And the reason that they don't is it would prove that there's no justification to do so. If you saw what came out of this Cloncurry hearing, it was very clear that bank should still be open. So if they carried out a consultation... Um, they'd be forced to keep the branch open. So they stay in their ivory towers with their banker's privilege and just dictate top down, this is what's going to happen. Also, I'll add, um, the postal bank has become a really big feature of all these hearings and discussions. There's media coverage around it. Um, and talking about coming to the, the Ingham question and the Ingham, Ingham inquiry, uh, after that um, inquiry was held, or at lunchtime at the lunch break, the senators held a press conference. Every party was represented, and the stunning, every party involved in this inquiry was represented. And the stunning thing is, they were all on the same page and they all talked about in different ways the need for some kind of public banking, sometimes mm. explicitly in the form of a postal bank. Um, so, we're going to show a couple of clips from that, uh, and what you'll see is. Uh, the, um, if I can find my notes here, oh yeah, the, the Greens spoke first and talked about the privatising of the Commonwealth Bank and how that left this dearth of public bank on the landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, Senator Jared Rennick then spoke about the need for a public bank and then uh, One Nation Senator Malcolm Roberts um, said we need a people's bank. So it's really excellent. So we'll just run to that clip. Uh, I understand the value of local uh, bank branches, both to the livability of communities as well as the local economy. Uh, what we've heard in this inquiry is that despite making billions of dollars in profits, uh, big banks are closing down their branches in communities that have been loyal to them for decades. Uh, we're also hearing in this inquiry that they are doing that with virtually no consultation and in some cases not even consulting with their staff. Uh, people in regional Australia contribute a huge amount both to our national economy and to the profits of the bank. This is unacceptable uh, and it should be happening. In the past we had a public known bank, the Commonwealth Bank. Uh, we saw that dismantled uh, when the Hawke Labor government uh, turned to the uh, 
What we've learned today from uh, the hearings and yesterday is that the banks still have made as much money today with the bank's uh, branches closed as what they did prior to they were closing. So clearly this is a clear breach of the social contract where banks are meant to provide services to the community. And in small communities like these, uh, banking is a key pillar along with health and education. And I say if the banks aren't prepared to keep their branches open, then it's about time that the federal government looked at having a public bank to provide banking and insurance services out in regional Queensland and regional Australia. Thank you. It'll just be another committee with a, with a dust gathering uh, book on the shelf unless we make some structural changes. We need a people's bank, a public bank. That's emerging well and truly. One of the most important things of the original public bank before it was gutted and, and, and uh, neutered was that it provided accountability because the big international banks had to face the competition from the Commonwealth Bank. The Commonwealth Bank was, was eventually neutered and removed and then that lost the accountability, so now the big four banks are running roughshod over everyone. We need a public bank that can hold the, the big four banks accountable. We need real structural reform in this country. Um, we had as a committee uh, invited uh, Westpac uh, to come to North Queensland and explain to the community why they were uh, shutting branches here in Ingham and Tully and Cloncurry. Uh, 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 not long after we made that invitation though, surprise, surprise, Westpac announced they wouldn't shut uh, branches in North Queensland. And uh, it seems to me that the one thing the banks are uh, most afraid of is actually having to visit uh, a regional country town. It seems to be the only way uh, to get them to act uh, is to force them to come uh, out of their inner city lifestyles and into the bush. Well, it is unacceptable for our bank executives to have a phobia uh, of the bush going forward. Uh, these are national banks, they receive national support, and uh, all Australians deserve for them to be offering services right throughout our nation. Now, um, additionally, and we'll get more reports on this uh, when Robbie gets back from Queensland, but uh, he said ANZ Bank was on the stand at Ingham and they got an absolute grilling and dressing down um, with the bank back on the stand, which hadn't, you know, major bank back on the stand, which hadn't been the case in Cloncurry. He said uh, you could see the glean in the senator's eyes. <laughs> they were out for blood, right? And actually he said the Greens really brought the heat to bear on ANZ. So we'll get further reports about that. But just as a reflection of this process, I want to uh, quote a couple of things from various of the participants, and particularly the senators, at this Ingham hearing. And this was reported in the ABC News on the 19th. Uh, mass exodus of regional bank branches across Australia leaves residents seeking solutions was the headline. So they quoted the Cloncurry Shire Mayor Greg Campbell saying it just did not make any sense for Westpac to leave such a profitable region where it was making so much money from some of the biggest agribusiness in the country. LNP Senator Jared Rennick said uh, the banks, they're driven by the profit margin. That's fine, but we really need to look at having a public bank. We have public hospitals, private hospitals. We have public schools, private schools. Why can't we have one public bank that acts as a backstop for both banking services and insurance services in the regions and across all of Australia? Here, here. Mm. Uh, Green Senator Alman Payne was quoted in the article. We had a publicly owned bank, the Commonwealth Bank, and we saw that dismantled when the Hawke Labor government turned towards neoliberalism. It's not good enough and we need regional communities to have better. And Labor Senator Linda White uh, told the paper that banks have a social licence to operate in this country 
and that they need to respect these communities and the people that work and live in them. Mm. So this this whole process really brought to bear um, the reality and the demand from the broader population for public banking, for government control, the very opposite of what was demanded in the RBA review. Um, And on the ground, that's what we're finding. Imagine, you know, these hearings taking place all over the country. Yeah, and Lisa, what what is also happening is the banks are still closing branches in the city. Mm, That's right, yeah. I got a a leaflet in the mail this week from the Commonwealth Bank Mm. saying they're pulling out a Faulkner. Yeah. But you can go to the post office and do your banking. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the same banking group that have failed to pay for the banking services properly yeah. with Australia Post. They're just palming off customers to Commonwealth Bank. But if you want to do any other sort of banking, you've got to hop on a bus. And this mm. is in Faulkner, where yeah. I live. There's a large population of uh, you know, people who have a, you know, la- languages other than English. Yes. They've got to hop on a bus. Yeah. 20, half an hour. Half an hour to come down to Coburg to do yep. their banking, hop on the bus and then go back. With their again. shopping trolley. And With their shopping trolley. And, and you re- can't say that having yeah. a bank branch in Faulkner is not profitable. I mean, the... the, the and those people lose, lose a lot of cash as well in, in the ethnic communities. But this was reported in The Age, yeah. interestingly enough. We'll put that up on the screen, which was an article about the uh, Alexandra, town of Alexandra and Victoria losing their last bank, which was a NAB, which the one of the people that was interviewed said... It's an hour to the closest bank for her now and a third of their business is done in cash and they go to the bank at least three times weekly. Um, and they also reported about the, the victory of Westpac being forced to keep their branches open after what they called community pressure and the Senate inquiry process. So, mm. you know, it's really good. It's, and it, it's going to continue to expand, as we just said earlier in the, in the program. I mean, this, this is the start of a, a much bigger process where more and more people, are, hairdressers, have discussions about that. When the hairdressers start having discussions with their clients about <laughs> yeah. this issue, you know it's a hot issue. Okay, yes. Right? Uh, that's a very good, good market. But you know, the, we're getting all sorts of different reports mm. from places of, and people who have never been involved in politics about this issue. Mm. And that's the market that the government is going to you know, pick up, is picking up on, the, you know, the mm. senators are picking up on. This is what's going to happen, happen even yes. more. Now, we are going to bring the heat in another way. Uh, through, yes. as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be running a candidate in the Fadden by-election. Yes, the seat has become um, vacant, or will become vacant. Uh, the by-election hasn't been called so that's yet. that's Stuart Robert. Stuart Roberts has resigned. The, so the process is in place where there will be a by-election in the seat of Fadden, which is centred on the Gold Coast. So we are going to bring in our candidate in the next cross, in a live cross. We have our candidate for the... By, uh, the, the, the Fadden by-election organising on the go, Gold Coast, which is the central point of this electorate. So, Jan, can you hear me? I know you're organising there. Would you like to say yep, some I things can... about the campaign? I would. Um, so I'm running as a candidate in, in Fadden. Thanks, mate. Grab yep. a piece of paper off you to read it. Yep, take one of these two. This is our Australian Alert Service. Okay, good. All, right. Okay. All right, good. We'll give you a call back. So... Yeah, we've only been set up for about a half an hour on the Gold Coast. Uh, Fadden includes the northern Gold Coast. Um, so since there's a by-election, I put my hand up and everyone's go uh, feel like 17 years old again. And um, so we haven't long set up and we've got lots of signatures already and 
mainly we're talking about a public post office bank, which is our, you know, our basic policy, because that will lead to a footing to the door to getting a full on national bank like the old Commonwealth Bank was that started in the post offices in 1911. And with that infrastructure and that um, government public entity, we can build our way out of a depression. So I don't care what anyone says, if we're not increasing our population, if we haven't got longevity and a higher standard of living, then we're going in the wrong direction. Um, and this is the way we fund our prosperity into the future. I and mean, you have to build that. Um, no more speculation with our, um, you know, with our currencies and no more um, speculating with people's pension funds and super. This is how you build a future, the certainty of better conditions, as old Labor called it. Um, so the next, uh, we've got to build the infrastructure. We've got 18 water projects um, that we could be building, which are major, just like the Snowy Mountain Scheme, change the face of Australia for farmers and manufacturers. Uh, this is how it can be funded. Um, similarly, high-speed rail, gas pipelines, fibre optics, um, high-speed shipping. There's no end, like nuclear power for peaceful use of nuclear energy, nuclear desalination and, you know, green the deserts. Um, so these might be, be ideal, but it starts with a public bank. Without that, you don't have a hope. You've got to go cap in hand to the private banks. We don't need a war with China either. China's not trying to assert their dominance over the world, as the media is portraying. Um, it's the West that's doing that, and Australia needs an independent foreign policy. So um, that independent foreign policy, other people have spoken. So other people have spoken for us independent foreign policy, like former um, Deputy Ambassador to China, John Lander, uh, and Malcolm Fraser and Paul Keating. So I don't love the last two, but, you know, uh, in their later in life, they have come out saying some good things. I don't know if it takes you to be 80 to wake up, but those who are awake, then join the fight for a public post office bank, a people's bank that will become a national bank. Uh, we've got copies of the legislation here. So people can, if they're sceptical, we haven't done the work, or they're sceptical that we'll all be sold off and you'll, know, you'll never do it, then get your teeth into it. It's really fun. The best piece of uh, legislation I've ever read. <laughs> So, Jane, you're going to be you're going to be coordinating the campaign as well with a, with a team of people. We have you know a number of people up there in Queensland you've been working with for years now. Do you want more volunteers? Yeah, certainly. The more, the merrier. It's okay. Always fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen. What you, you're obviously going to get more people come past the table there. That what people are seeing is our classic form of street organising. Can I grab a little bit of your pamphlets? Yeah, mate. Leave that, because, yeah, we're getting, we're getting screwed over. We are. Sign our petition before you go. Have a read. I don't need to read it. So, I'll Jen, we're going to leave yep. you to we're it. Met. You're obviously busy. All right. Good job. Yep. Good job. We'll, we'll catch up with All you. Right. If people want to know where to, to get in contact with you, we'll put your uh, details on the screen now. Yep. All right. Thank you. See so you. Have Thanks. fun. Bye. 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 Well, People, that's, you can now see what we're going to be doing on the Gold Coast. This will be a major campaign for the Citizens Party. Mm. We're going to bring the full weight of our organisation yeah. behind Jan. This will be, there'll be a massive social media uh, presence. I mean, we do this already. Uh, but, you know, we intend to bring, you know, use this as a, another means of 
pr promoting the need for a, and, and getting a uh, public postal bank. It should be a lot of fun. If you want to get involved, mm -hmm. Jan's a great person to work with. As you said, <laughs> she, she, she said, I feel like 17 again. Yeah, uh, so, so if you want to feel like 17 again, yeah. join in. <laughs> so have fun. if you want to have some fun, you know, get in contact with Jan and join, mm -hmm. the, join the fun. Yep. Now, um, before we move on, I wanted to mention in the context of talking about bankers' privilege and that, you know, bankers having all-powerful means of intervening here, there and everywhere in the economy, uh, another example of the really excellent progress that can be made with inquiries, parliamentary inquiries, is um, seen in this PwC scandal, PricewaterhouseCoopers Um there's an inquiry into consultancy underway in the Parliament and that was sparked by the deregistration by the Tax Practitioners Board of PwC partner Peter John Collins for, and this is their quote, unauthorised sharing of confidential tax policy information. This guy was working uh, for Joe Hockey's tax advisory group starting from 2014 that had been tasked with preparing new legislation for multinational tax avoidance, this guy was taking it all to PwC and spreading it internationally to show big corporations how they could get around it, yeah. right? Now, um, this was brought to a head by the um, consultancy inquiry and uh, because the head of PwC, Tom Seymour, had claimed it was just this one guy, he was the only one that knew about it and whatnot... But um, when the Senate committee obtained documents and emails which were released on the 2nd, 2nd of May, it showed obviously that it was being spread far beyond this one guy and everyone knew about it and they knew that this was inside information, etc. Um, so this is a really huge scandal. That's, that CEO, Tom Seymour, was forced to resign on the 8th of May. On the 15th of May, PwC global leaders were flown in for damage control. Um, so, again, it <clears throat> shows, though, that the process of engagement through the parliament is really important, just in another example of how this can work. And you can read more about that article in this week's Alert Service. Richard Barden has written that up, making the key point that government should not be outsourced. And if you no. didn't outsource all these processes in the first place... Uh, you wouldn't have this problem. We're talking billions of dollars that are spent now by the government outsourcing oh, what yeah. used to be Commonwealth public service jobs, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, I mean, it's staggering to see that this guy who was working to develop legislation was sharing this... Uh, was providing the ability to avoid tax. Yeah. It wasn't just one or two people. It was 55 people got mm -hmm. these emails. Mm -hmm. these, and, the, of course, the inquiry showed these emails... They got hold of these emails and it was uh, pretty devastating. Yeah, so yet again it shows who's really writing our yes. policy and we have to take the banks out of that privileged position. Uh, apparently, um, we'll wait to hear more about this, but apparently Andrew Bragg on the ASIC inquiry may be looking to expand that inquiry in another inquiry process, which is really important and which many of our viewers made submissions to, uh, to include this whole aspect of the consultancies, the big four consultants... Um, worldwide are just another um, appendage of the too big to veil you know, banking system. Yep. Um, now, continuing on the theme of banking, US banking crisis far from over is our next topic. Um, and uh, we've you know, talked in previous shows about, of course, the process of 
US regional banks. Of course, in the US, they have about 4,500 regional banks. We don't have something like that, of course. Mm. Um, but you've had times in America's history where a lot of them have collapsed. One of those times was actually in the 1980s with the savings and loan crisis, which was brought on by the rising interest rates, making the profit margin from interest, based on what they had to pay out on deposits and what they were getting in, uh, impossible for smaller banks to survive. And this is what we see happening today as a result of extreme monetary policy, where you had the flood of quantitative easing going down to zero or even negative interest rates. And then suddenly... Um, all flipping into the reverse and going into, you know, incredible austerity, higher interest rates and tightening control over loans and so forth. So, of course, we saw SVB, um, Silicon Valley Bank, go down. Signature Bank went down. Silvergate was wound up. Uh, And then, of course, in the last couple of weeks, we've also seen First Republic, which was swallowed up and taken over by a too-big-to-fail bank that swallowed up many previously JP Morgan Chase. Well, now there are three more banks, regional US banks on the cards to go down. Los Angeles-based Pacific West Bank, Phoenix-based Western Alliance, Salt Lake City-based Zions Bank. All of these banks are seeing an incredible outflow of deposits. I mean, they don't, you don't always see this in the classic form of bank runs because no. people withdraw electronically these days. But the rundowns of uh, deposits coming out of such banks are running into the billions. Um, The reports are now that uh, if those three banks fail, total assets of all the US bank failures since the 10th of March would equate to nearly three quarters of a trillion dollars, which makes it far larger than any previous bank failures. Now, the deposit exodus, and again, we've written about this in the Australian Alert Service over the last couple of weeks. You can contact us to find out how to subscribe to get this information on a weekly basis because it's moving so fast, you can't, we certainly can't put it all into the one show today. Um, but I've written about the deposit exodus that's been going on in the US banking system. Um, a lot of the narrative has centred around the money being withdrawn out of the smaller banks because they're the ones collapsing, these regional banks. But in fact, if you look at the Fed figures, there's a bigger exodus from the too big to fail banks than the smaller ones. A lot of deposit, large depositors, including big corporations and people that want to invest to get a higher interest rate, are investing in the money market, which funds go into things like the repo market or short-term treasury trading and so forth. Um, And so, you know, those too-big-to-fail banks, of course, are in danger, but it's the small ones Mm. that get cut off at the knees. The big ones will always get bailed out. Um, The smaller ones get, they collapse or they get swallowed up by the bigger ones. And so you've got this increasing concentration of banking into just a handful of banks, um, which we saw the same by the way, with the collapse of Credit Suisse being taken over by UBS. And you can read more about that in the alert, um, in the back page article that I put together on talking about lawless enclaves where bankers run everything. Well, Switzerland was the very model for that, where banking, revealing the secrets of bankers is punishable under criminal law. Um, but another thing to note is that a, the Fed actually reported on the 12th of May that US banks have lost another $14 billion in deposits fleeing from banks in the week ended the 3rd of May. 
about 30 billion had been lost in the two weeks prior to that date. So the losses in deposits fleeing from these banks, American banks, since April is now almost exactly $1 trillion and climbing by the day. And by the way, the parameters of our banks here as interest rates rise are the same. So they are having to try to pay more to depositors and there's a lot of um, competition over trying to attack depositors with Mm. banks doing various things. But they are going to be in a similar pinch, so have no doubts about that. Um, So, yes, that banking crisis is far from over. We need, again, uh, government-run banking to provide somewhere safe for people's savings to be placed that are free from being stolen to bail out banks in the so-called bail-in process uh, and where you can guarantee... The only real way to guarantee people's savings is to have a separation between investment banking, which gambles with the money, Hmm. and ordinary retail banking, and that's the so-called Glass-Steagall We've been talking about for years now, uh, simply because this is a solution. All of these problems, Elisa, have come about because of the speculative nature of banking. Banking should never be speculative. Or if it's if, it, if people want to get involved in speculative banking, then go to merchant banking and stuff. Mm. You know, all that investment banking, virtual banking, people can do that. Mm. We're not saying people can't, but it's not the same as having a stable, secure retail or commercial banking operation that is guaranteed by the government. Mm. Now. The problem is that you know, Commonwealth Bank used to stand as a bulwark before it was privatised for the interests of the people as a whole. Now, there's a lot of private battles, uh, battles going on with the private banks with the Commonwealth Bank, and, you know, it, 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 but it did fund the war. It did help us get through very difficult periods because it actually had the assets of the nation behind it. We don't have that anymore. Mm. All we have, we don't need, the, the Reserve Bank... Right is a is not private. It's owned by the government, mm. but they want to now take away the very powers the government has got right now. They want to take those away so that the government can never exercise full control over its own bank. Yeah, just on the this, off chance that it might try to. Yeah, it might try to because look, it's a, it's actually owned by the government. Right, mm. it's, there's all sorts of separations being brought in. And independence, And independence obviously. and stuff like that. But that's, again, the influence of the private banking system yep. to stop the Reserve Bank actually potentially acting like the old Commonwealth Bank mm. did, particularly during the war years, of creating enormous amounts of credit and emis- emitting that credit into productive sectors. Mm. Mm. I mean, it was £78 million pound just in, on average over the course of the uh, about 12 years leading up to... World War Two, when John Curtin came in, he emitted seven hundred million pound just in one year through issuing bonds via the Commonwealth Bank. So he lifted it up ten times from seventy-eight million to seventy-eight million pound to over seven hundred million pound for the processes of funding productive activities to 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 fund the war. Mm. This is what a bank can do. This yeah. is what a, and when what it's they're meant to do. It's what they're meant to do when it's a government-owned bank. Mm. and it's putting this sort of credit out there, mm. the sky's the limit because it's backed by the wealth of the nation as mm. a whole. Yeah, because if you think about what we need in Australia, like if you had your wish list of everything we need to do to fix what's going on across this country, you know, it would take you a long time, it would be a very long list. But if you then said, okay, well, how would we accomplish those tasks, whether it be 
you know, building high-speed rail so we can get things from point A to point B as quickly as we need them or certain health infrastructure. And if you ask yourself, do we have the capacity to achieve that in this country? Do we have the resources? Yeah. Do we have the manpower? Yeah, but is it deployed the right way? Well, no, we've got too many people in service industries and so forth. But if you just put money to the side, just absolutely just shove it to the side and forget about what it costs for the moment, could we get that job done? And and this is how governments think in war times. They say, well, there's no ifs, buts, maybes. We have to get this done so you deploy what you need to do it. Now, that's what we have to do. The money's an afterthought. If you have a government bank, the government creates the credit to pay the people that do that task, that soon is paid back Mm -hmm. from the money rolling in, from the taxes, from the people that are put back to work. So... If you have a look at the Depression, I've just done a presentation to our members on this. If you have a look back at the Depression, the biggest problem was the fact that the Commonwealth Bank did not want to emit credit. The private banks did not allow the Commonwealth Bank, through Sir Robert Gibson, to emit credit. When Ted Theodore came in as a treasurer in 1930... He inherited a £1.2 million deficit for the 1929-1930 for the, for the mm. year. Right Now, that deficit is the equivalent of a deficit of about $103 billion in today's money if you go back and look at the Reserve Bank mm. Historical Inflation Calculator. I did the, the work. So imagine if we had a $103 billion deficit in this country. You know, 21-22, uh, sorry, 22-23, our deficit was about 36 billion dollars. Now, they say they're going to have a surplus this time. Well, that's, I think, pie in the sky. The the problem with the Depression was that because uh, companies were trying to uh, uh, offload their inventories to pay their bills, they were dropping the prices. And as soon as you start dropping the prices and get into a deflation, the first thing that goes is the workers. So we ended up with enormous unemployment rates during the Depression for want of the credit Mm. to be able to stimulate the productive sector. Back then, 60% of the economy was in the productive sector, manufacturing, Mm. farming, you know, and all of those productive areas. Not today. Not today. It's 20%, right? And the problem we've had today since the deregulation of the financial Mm. system, the takedown of the Commonwealth Bank, is the credit is not being directed into the finance, the, into the productive side of yeah. the economy. It's been funding speculation. So we've moved out of a productive economy at 60% down to 20%, and that money's just going into producing nothing. Yeah, well, finance has become a thing in and of itself, which is the so-called financialisation. It's, it's gone into the real estate bubble. We've got unaffordable housing now because of that real estate bubble which has been propped up and propped up and propped up by the the banking system by successive governments to the point that you know we've got a massive crisis with rentals we've got a massive crisis with no social Mm -hmm. housing but this is the result of neoliberal policies and the actual control of credit being pushed into uh, speculative activity Mm -hmm. and that's why you know the citizens party promotes the need for a strong public bank a postal bank and a national bank to be able to take control of the country's economy mm-hmm. and emit currency into the, the productive side of the economy. One of the biggest problems that we have also, Elisa, is that China is by far nowhere near the biggest shareholder or the biggest foreign investor in this country. Mm-hmm. That's a lie that's been propagated for various different reasons. The biggest shareholder, or the biggest country, the country has the most shareholding in our most biggest country, our companies, our biggest companies, is the United States. Now, 
I know the Albanese government must be terrified about that because as soon as there's any idea that we move towards a sovereign system, whether it be banking or even foreign policy, well, the threats are going to be, if you do that, we're going to pull out this, we're going to do this economically to you. And the trouble is they can. Mm, that's right. They can. And, they, and we know that they can. Albanese knows they can. The government can. And what government is wants to preside over the collapse of the economy mm. Because the US does something to us. And yeah, because we're also de so dependent on foreign investment to fund everything, which most of it comes from the United States for our banks to even exist. So and that, that's the whole why box it, and dice. It's that's why a national bank is so crucial. Exactly. Because it represents Take it sovereignty. out of that realm. Exactly. So we can tell these guys to get stuff. We mm. don't care if yeah. you want to pull these things. <laughs> that's right. Our bank will support us. We've got what we need in this country to do what we have to do. So. And that's why this fight is such a yeah. bitter one. Uh, as far as the big banks are concerned, is because this represents actual sovereignty, yep. both in the ability to defend ourselves from militarily and financially mm -hmm. in, the, in the economy. Now, an another aspect of that sovereignty, and not getting dragged into Anglo-American wars, <laughs> uh, our final topic, protest AUKUS and press for a breakthrough in Assange case. Now, people would have heard by now that the Quad meeting that was taking place which is the United States, uh, Australia, Japan and India. India. Uh, so that was going to happen on Wednesday here in Sydney. It has been cancelled because Biden's got his debt ceiling issues to contend with, so he's not coming down. They'll, he'll be there. Most of those leaders will be, or all of those leaders, at the G7 meeting this weekend. So they may meet on the sidelines for that. Um, but um, the... Assange campaign had planned and is still going ahead with major rallies um, and with a, a intervention across the course of a week, basically, uh, really important interventions. And, of course, they wanted to intersect Biden and have the protest while Biden was in town to really get um, the megaphone out while he was here that Australians are not going to tolerate it with a big showing of people in force in Sydney, particularly on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And please get to that rally if you can, because, you know, even if Biden's not there, we could even maybe make a bigger impact of it because he isn't there, because it has been put on the radar in a different way now. So Wednesday the 24th, there's a rally starting at 10am, meeting at the Hyde Park Fountain. We'll put the poster up on the screen and you can get a copy of that, circulate that as widely as possible. Um, in addition to that, Julian Assange's wife, Stella, will be or is in town and she is speaking at the National Press Club on Monday. So that will be most interesting to hear. And she'll also be uh, apparently at the rally on Wednesday. And there's another, there's a further, um, oh, there was a, there's a protest tomorrow in Sydney as well, which those people will be involved in also. Um, now, also last Tuesday night, Tuesday night just gone, um, Julian Assange's father, John Shipton, was on the 7.30 report in a significant maybe 10 minute or so interview, and that's the first time that he's actually been interviewed for a mainstream Australian television show, which is shocking, I know, but really important that it has taken place. So these issues are really coming to prominence. Um, now, what it has to do with AUKUS and that whole process is obvi really obvious mm -hmm. because, of course, what Assange had exposed and why he's in jail now 
uh, is he's embarrassed the US and the British governments for showing the war crimes that they committed and the false basis or the lies that got us into the war in the first place. Now, um, that has led us to the point of signing this AUKUS deal, which is draining our budget at the same time as it's putting us on a war footing. $380 billion and we've got no money for social housing, healthcare costs, nothing. And what a load of rubbish. At the same time, it's painting a nice big bullseye on, us. on Australia as well to boot. Uh, now, we became aware in the last 10 days or so that there's a very brief parliamentary submission on the fact that they need to amend the legislation that bans the use of nuclear power in Australia, that they won't amend it to actually do useful things like building the country, but they want to amend it so that we can have yeah, nuclear subs. submarines in Australia. Now, this might be Australians' only chance to actually have their say on this ridiculous and dangerous AUKUS deal. So it's a very brief period you have until next Friday, the 26th of May, to make a submission telling them to throw this whole AUKUS agenda out the window and be done with it. Tell them exactly what you think about AUKUS in this very brief inquiry, which will report is due to report back on the 9th of June. So it's very short because obviously they want to rush this all through. But again, it's something that we can put a spoke in the wheel yep. potentially and get the Senate committee um, uh, you know, rolled up about this because if they even get... You know, I mean, we could get potentially thousands of very brief emails. We'll put the email address up on the screen. We'll put the other further details below in the info box. If everyone gets off this from listening to this show and just writes a quick email to that email address saying, damn your AUKUS, we are not tolerating the amendment of this legislation so that you can plan nuclear World War Three. Sorry, ditch it. Yep. And if they get enough responses, look, politicians take that very seriously because we're not yet in a world where bankers run everything. Politicians still have a hand in it and they've got to get re-elected regularly. So they are going to take into account uh, a lot of voices being That's heard right. in that way. Yep, absolutely, Elise. I mean, people can, it's very little opportunity sometimes to intervene in the process. This is one of these things where people mm. can jump in, Grab it. make your voice heard. Right. Mm, yes. So that's the show for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Contact us for more information as always. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, thanks. And just you know, people want to join Jan's campaign, please jump in and please help, you know, please donate. We want to put as much effort into this campaign as we possibly can financially. Your donations will be a big help. We'll put a lot of that money into Jan's campaign. And it'll and bring the issues to bear, though, for the whole will. country, not yes. just for the Gold Coast. So. Okay. Thanks, yep. Lisa. Thank you and see you next week. Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.